Welcome to the Brew News Podcast, all the news that's fit to be brewed. I'm Andrew Jennings. And I'm Travis Matherly. Join us as we go a little bit deeper behind the breweries of your favorite beers and learn about new breweries from around the world. We will be exploring the history and beers of craft brewers and hope to showcase the amazing talent and variety found within the craft beer community, both in the U.S. and abroad. This week we'll be focusing on Green Man Brewing out of Asheville, North Carolina. Andrew, first impressions or thoughts and first experience with Green Man? My first impressions, I was excited. I wanted to do this brewery. I really did. Um, it was a local brewery. It's one I've known about for a while. Um, my first beer was probably the ESB. I really like it. I don't know where I was. I got hold of an ESB for the first time and I really enjoyed it. Unfortunately, that brewery that I got it from, if I remember correctly, their quality control was pretty much trash. So uh, they did not have a good version later. Mm. Uh, but no, Green Man always has a good ESB. I've enjoyed their beers. I've ha- uh, been to their um, uh, the Green Mansion and Jack in the Woods in Asheville, and I really enjoy their beer. What about you? Uh, so first impression, when you wanted to do Green Man, I was not overly excited about it. Uh, Green Man, for me, for some reason, has always been in my mind kind of like a, eh, whatever brewery. Although, after researching it, I got more excited to do it and more interested in them. I didn't realize they were as old as they were. We'll get into that in a second. First beer from them, I really feel like it might have been the Traveler. Isn't that one of their IPAs? Yeah, I think it was one of their IPAs. And so, I'm not even entirely sure where I had it. I have been to the Green Mansion, mm-hmm. have not been to Jack of the Wood or Dirty Jack's, mm-hmm. any of their other locations. And I think I went to the Green Mansion like right after it opened, like it hadn't been open very long. Um, actually, we were in Asheville for a wedding, I believe at the Picarney's, um, Catherine Picarney's wedding. Um, and then we ran into our friends, Mary Miles and David. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> While we were up there. We were sitting at Wicked Weed having beer at Wicked Weed and they walked in with friends of theirs and then we followed them to High Wire and then they wanted to go to Green Mansion to go to Green Mansion. Just down the street. Yeah. So we I mean, literally just fall down the hill from, <laughs> yeah. from the function. Stumble down the hill. Yeah, you're good. And uh, so that was probably my first experience experience with Green Man because I don't ever remember actually having it before then. Yeah. I had it in cans, I, but I like their beer. Everything I've had from them I've enjoyed. Um, and, you know, having gone to the Green Mansion, got a flight or two, um, I enjoyed everything I had there, including the Holly King, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. And, well, yeah. All right. So, anyways, let's go ahead and dive into the history of Green Man Brewing. Founded in 1997 by Joe and Joan Eckhart, Green Man was Asheville's second official established brewery right after Highland. That was uh, 95, if memory serves. 1990. Oh, Highlands. I was like, obviously, you just said 1997. I I can read and say two (laughs) different things. (laughs) It originally started as uh, Jack of the Wood, which was a brew pub in downtown Asheville, and it's Mm -hmm. still there to this day. They uh, initially used dairy tanks to brew their beer. Which is not uncommon in the brewing industry. Yeah. And uh, Green Man brews traditional style English ales along with creative versions of new craft trends. So like Andrew said, they claim to be one of North Carolina's oldest breweries, second oldest behind Highlands, and they claim to be North Carolina's oldest sour program. I don't know about that because I didn't know about their sour program until tonight, Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate. They became Asheville's first tasting room in 2005. I'll say that. They can claim that one because North Carolina in 05 changed our laws to allow the sale of beer at breweries similar to what Georgia did in 2017. Yeah. So um, like we talked about in previous episodes, before 2005, North Carolina had the same alcohol laws that Georgia did up until like the last year or two. Yeah, 2017. Uh, um, where you could go to a brewery, you could visit a brewery, they could give you a tour, and they could give you a tasting, but they could not sell you any of their delicious beer at the brewery. You had to go to a store. So thankfully in 2005 that was changed and... North Carolina has greatly benefited from that law change. <laughs> yeah. We are the East Coast Brewing Mecca. Yeah. So that uh, kind of shows you what, not looser liquor laws, but... Just common sense. More. Yeah, common sense liquor laws. Can be. Yeah. I mean, um, honestly, you think about that now and you're like, why wouldn't you allow a brewery to have a tap room? I don't or know. Be, like, it, it's crazy. It's but a, anyways. It's crazy. But that also explains some of the decisions they made um, in terms of their system as well and mm-hmm. what they what they had to do. So in 2005, they opened a new brewery and tap room called Dirty Jack's. 
Um, this name was given to it by the patrons, actually, because it was dingy and grungy. Yeah, so... Uh, and they played a lot of Nirvana, maybe. Um, maybe a lot West, of grunge metal. Yeah, yeah. A lot I of see West where you were going with yeah. grunge rock. Uh, they... <laughs> This was also done by the patrons dubbing it Dirty Jacks um, so that they would know which jacks to meet at. Though, honestly, it wouldn't be hard uh, to find each other because we'll get there in a second, but all of these are within the same block. Yeah. So no. all you'd have to do is stumble a couple hundred feet and you'd be at the other jacks. Um, no, I haven't the, been to Dirty Jacks, though. And I, uh, funny enough, when I was reading some stuff on Green Man and researching the article, the new owner talks about how hard it was to get people to start calling Green Man by Green Man because <laughs> he said even up until like a year or two ago, one of the bartenders that's been there forever would answer the phone at the Green Mansion and say Dirty Jacks because he was so used to saying that name. Um Oh. But yeah, as Andrew said, they're growing and expanding. Uh, so they've been around eight years at this point, 97 to 2005. In 2006, they increased from a seven-barrel system to a 14-barrel system to meet increased demand for their beer. And in 2007, they officially changed the name of the brewery to Green Man Brewing, though it took a while for the name change to stick as I just mentioned. Yeah. And the Green Man Brewing, um, it's named after the, the man in the woods, the, the Jack in the Wood character. And they didn't stop growing in 2006, which was fantastic. They doubled again in 2012 to a 30-barrel system. Now, when we talk about barrel systems, we're talking about their fermentation capability. Not their, not sorry, not their fermentation. Literally the opposite of that. Their mash ton capability. Um, how much is, are they brewing at a given time? So eat, their system will brew 30 barrels at a time. And as we've talked about before, the bottleneck is actually fermentation. So how, how many fermenters do you have? Yeah. Uh, they don't really get into that. And that depends on what style of beer you're brewing. Right. A lot of ales you can go through quicker. Mm -hmm. um, lagers, you really need the space. Yeah. And so after they redoubled in 2012, in 2015, they added a 22,000 square foot packaging, bottling line, and distribution facility with a 3,000 square foot beer garden, lovingly dubbed by Asheville as the Green Mansion. And it is loverly. Yeah, it is a really knocked down facility. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I said, I'd gone there just when it was brand new, so it was pristine. But it's made to resemble an old English brew pub and look like it had been there for years. So like the doorways, these old heavy wooden doors with iron you know, trim. The sign makes it look like a pub. The brickwork is obviously very new. Yeah, it was one of those things when I saw it, I actually thought it was new. It looked new in the corner because of where it is in Asheville. Everything around it is sort yeah. of like grungy America. Like 1930s. Yeah, grungy Americana, whereas this is like old school British. It sticks out and it's right on the corner. It's a lovely spot. Um, I'm sure a lot of, uh, what are those things, the trolley pubs? Yeah. Yeah, they, mm -hmm. they like that place a lot because um, when Laura and I were there, that's what we had to deal with, we were content with. It's a lovely facility. They got a bar on the second and the first floor. The third floor is completely available. And we'll have a photo from their um, bottling facility uh, on a post sometime. Yeah, sure. Why not? I'll and throw long, it in. Long before this is actually <laughs> Yeah, aired. long before this is aired, you will see a post. Uh, um, and <laughs> I just thought it was interesting, but the stairwell is lined with pennies. Ooh. So it's like they laid pennies into like a, not well, maybe rubber, but. It's well, like it just a, made sense made common sense mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, okay can you for your thought andrew oh you already got them <laughs> and uh, and you just know, so you know, free yeah god <laughs> and just uh another note the green mansion also represented it was a five million dollar investment by green man dang uh yeah and with that that brings them to Three locations, technically. Mm -hmm. All of their tap rooms and locations are on the same block of Buxton Avenue in Asheville. So this is on the south slope side of Asheville, which gives them a great view of the Blue Ridge Mountains, which in one of the articles that I was reading with the current owner, he said he balked at the price that he paid for this location in the Green Mansion now. Mm -hmm. But that price has now become commonplace. Oh, wow on the south slope so like the south slope of Asheville has really taken off as like a high-end real estate district and the prices on that side of town have skyrocketed so he is sitting on 
literal prime real estate. Oh, I believe that 100%. And mm-hmm. honestly, with his location, he should never get rid of the Green Mansion. Just open a, uh, if he needs a bigger facility at some point, just do like Highland, get out of town. Yeah. Keep his spot <laughs> and keep that as a like a testing pub. For the lucky listeners in North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee, you have a chance of getting your own Green Man. Because yep. that's where they distribute to. <laughs> yep. And we have no, uh, at least I don't think we do, have any idea of their production. Well, no, we do. And we'll get to that in a second. My bad. So a little bit, for, a few years ago, in 2010, they actually changed their owners. They went from, they went to a more distribution base as opposed to their brew pub with the Dirty Jacks and the Jack in the Woods. They are currently owned by Dennis Thighs. Thieves? Thighs? Thighs? Thieves? Sure. Buns and thighs? Uh, Buns and ties. <laughs> Dennis ties. And he is uh, not just reportedly invested millions in the company. We know he's invested millions in the company. He just bought a $5 million plot of land <laughs> yeah. in downtown Well, he Asheville. made a $5 million facility. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so he's invested money into the company to change it and grow it. Yeah. He has started to focus, like Andrew said, on distribution, production, and growth. He is the reason Green Man has gone from like this local hole-in-the-wall spot for locals only and people in the know to a regional brand. Mm-hmm. Um, he is not without his own independent wealth. No, he got that by owning a distribution company in Jupiter, Florida, Yeah, before he even came to Asheville. That's a pretty big shot going from Jupiter, Florida to Asheville, but all right. It's a big climate change. It is, but I like Asheville much better than Jupiter, Florida. I can't personally speak for Jupiter, Florida, but I much prefer the weather in Asheville to Florida. Anywhere else in Florida? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Before he came there, he actually worked at Highlands for a year before he even had the opportunity to buy Green Man. So he decided to relocate to Asheville, he and his wife, who now own the company together. And during this time, they kind of, uh, they've had a constant in their brewery, and that is head brewer John Stewart. Not the late night host. I mean, I love his hilarious yeah. jokes. I love John Stewart's commentary. I mean, I'm really <laughs> waiting for him to be replaced by Trevor Noah. <laughs> yeah. Well, besides that, he's known for brewing beer. No, completely yeah. different John Stewart. Spelled I've seen a picture too. of the man. It's a completely different person. Head brewer John Stewart started at Green Man in 2007 and stayed on through the change in leadership. Um, he has over 30 years of industry experience, which, uh, from what I could read on his profile, included home brewing and he has worked at brew pubs across the southeast and texas that's a typo i realize i said southwest oh, but i, I was am almost a hundred percent sure that was actually the southeast yep well in 2017 uh i'm gonna call him dennis because i don't want to butcher his last name again yep. uh he said in 2017 that he would like to reach 15,000 barrels of production a year in the next year or two so that'd be 2018 or 2019 yeah and we, i think roughly now they're at like i think one thing i saw said that they were at like 13,500 as of like 2015 so oh, they're probably there probably gonna get it yeah the truth is though that's still not big foothills is at 40 and like i said they've gone from a local thing to a regional thing and, you're pretty much in every state that borders north carolina and Florida. and Florida. Yeah. Don't and worry about Florida. Just because I-95 and I-85 are so convenient. I-85 doesn't really go to Florida. Yeah, whatever. It curls. I don't know my highways. <laughs> We've discussed this. Uh, so, uh, at the moment, Green Man is solely owned by uh, Dennis and his wife, and they are not planning on changing that anytime soon. They are very adamant about that fact. Not to Hard. knock the man Dude. for his own wealth, but... If I was independently wealthy and I could own yeah. a brewery, I'd do it. Yeah, well, just my note says the fact that he seems to be independently wealthy from selling the distributorship doesn't hurt the fact that he wants to. But he also does say that he's never taken a paycheck from Green Man. Mm -hmm. And he's solely about the company and his love of beer. And um, in the article I was reading, it said that he and his wife have just really fallen in love with, like, the city of Asheville and, like, the culture and the vibe that the town has, which is pretty cool. It's grungy and crunchy and uh, granola. It's very granola. Yeah. Honestly, though, I'm cool with that. Uh, despite the fact that he's n- unable to distribute here with his own company, he actually has to use the Anheuser-Busch distributor in North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, he has to use R.H. Beringer, who is our local Anheuser-Busch InBev distributor. Mm-hmm. This actually comes down to some NC distribution laws. They are actually under the cap, so they could do self-distribution, but they're making a choice not to, uh, which is perfectly fine. That would eat up a lot of capital. For them, it would. Uh, now, some breweries like... 
we've talked we've mentioned this brewery I don't know how many times, but Red Oak is constantly fighting the North Carolina legislature to to release these caps on brewery. And in order to do that, you know, I don't understand why Green Man's keeping it under. I mean, if they're at 15,000 barrels, they're nowhere close to the limit that some of these larger breweries are. But that's fine. They don't have to worry about it. That's nice for them. They don't have to deal with it. Um, and they're not really beholden to the distributors in terms of like what they're brewing. They're not sold out. They don't. They're not owned by Anheuser Busch. Yeah. Well, and the fact that Dennis owned a distribution company in Florida prior to owning this brewery, I would imagine he's probably pretty savvy in the distribution game. So he, I can't imagine that he would let any discrepancies in a distribution contract slip by him. Oh, like no. he's probably got the sweetest deal he could possibly get in the distribution of his beer. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was noteworthy that while he's independently owned and operated, <laughs> he is distributed by Anheuser-Busch. Yet again. I, I mean, save some employee mm-hmm. money. Just, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, you can resource that capital somewhere else and put it into making more beer or expanding your facilities. Yeah, which he did. None of the beers are pasteurized. I don't know what that means for nationwide distribution, but it's cool here. Yeah, that would be a little hard to do, like to get it to California on pasteurized. You would probably most definitely have to cold ship that. Oh, 100%. Then you, they also use imported English malts, not for all their beers, but for a lot of their beers. Mm-hmm. And then at one point, I wish they still did this, they had a historical beer program, and you know how I feel about historical beers. We do, and when I saw that, I instantly thought of Dogfish Head, and then I thought of you, and how excited you would be about that note. Oh, but they brewed beers from recipes from the 1850s through 1915. Yep, and uh, also another fun fact about their beer, they use a natural clarifying agent for their beers, which is derived from kelp. Yep, and this is, sim- if you are a home brewer, you are familiar with Whirlflock. Whirlflock is more or less the same stuff. All grains and hops that they use are natural and non-GMO without additives or chemicals. And with that, I want to take a brief side trip into the weeds, if you will, on the history and legend of the Green Man. Are you the Travis the namesake, of the weeds? Yes. <laughs> Green Man is the namesake of the brewery. But Green Man is not only the character that they have on their beer, it actually is a historical and mythological creature. The green man is usually represented by a man whose face is made of or surrounded by leaves with roots and vines making up the features. It is found in cultures all over the world and normally represented by local flora and vegetation. And another note that I didn't type because I was too lazy but I remember it is that anthropologists believe that the green man mythology was actually created independently across time in many different cultures so like if you look at see that cultures that have green man mythologies they're not connected or would not have had any contact with each other but yet all of these people and places around the world came up with this same type of creature yeah and if you're really confused about what this is there's really two good references in pop culture mm-hmm. the first is um the watchers in the woods from um Game of Thrones, the faces that are carved into the trees. Um, that's a good representation. The children of the woods? Oh, not the children of the woods. Those are independent. Uh, those are fairies. Those are fairies. Or something. But they made the white walkers. They're more like pixies and sprites. Yes. They... Spoilers, Travis. <laughs> Spoilers. If you don't know that by now, Game <laughs> of Thrones has been behind. out for years. Uh, but um, the the green man, you know, they, they're made uh, in that film in that show by the the faces that are carved into the trees that's the green man if you think about it or those silly things that people put on their trees the other one however is from a uh british comedy group called the mighty boosh and uh do you want you want, you want me to handle this one i'll let you handle okay. it um and his name is old greg <laughs> i'm old greg <laughs> literally when i made that connection I couldn't help but like I l- laughed myself for about ten minutes. <laughs> Old Greg, with anybody who's familiar with that, skit, if you were in college in the mid two thousands, and if you are not, stop right now. Go to YouTube, look up Old Greg, and watch that skit. It is from the Mighty Boosh, which is a British comedy troupe, and Old Greg is literally a representation of the Green Man. He has a fun little. Well, he's more like a. Like the blue man, really. Well, he's painted green. He's but painted green. Yeah, but he's he has more algae like a, and kelp on him. He, yes, the green man's supposed to be more of a tree-based creature, not a. It's local flora. 
and vegetation. Fair enough. He's in a lake that's local flora and vegetation. We're not going to talk I'm about. I'm counting it. We're not talking about old old Greg. <laughs> but uh, we don't have any Bailey's to drink from a shoe either, so we're. <laughs> nope, but I have some Angelico we can drink from a bowl. I'd rather not. All right, so uh, the green man is seen as a symbol of rebirth and growth, uh, and that's why the green man is so ubiquitous throughout all these ancient cultures. People, I guess, ancient cultures who were scared that the winter was going to be eternal. <laughs> but then they saw old Greg, and they thought yeah. it was not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I can't stop. Well, the other th- reason is oh, green man, we've talked about before, they are a British-style pub in america and the green man is a popular name for public houses in england i did not know that i've never heard that and i thought that that was a very interesting factoid on their website there we go did you know that i didn't i'm just reading the notes oh okay well (laughs) you said it like you had heard it before have you heard me read these things before i sound like i know everything (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right well i am done knowing things i think oh no we're not we need to start talking about the beers what the hell how are you gonna skip their entire beer lineup oh i don't know so for beers Green Man has about three categories that they put everything into. First is the year rounds. Uh, they have the Tartberry Berliner Weiss, which comes in a nice pink can. I've seen it released recently, and I want it, but I've never seen it in stores. Mm-hmm. They have the Green Man Lager, which we will be having tonight. The Trickster IPA. That's good. It's more, it's more hoppy, hop focused than malt focused than the beer we have tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, They also have the Rambler Pale Ale, the Rainmaker Double IPA, the ESB, which we'll be having tonight, the IPA, which they say is their flagship ale, the Porter, we'll also be having that tonight, and the Wayfair IPA. The next beers are from their Heavy Heaters and Barrel Aged Sours. This is their High Gravity Series. First off, they have the Schnozberries that taste like Schnozberries. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is a blonde wheat sour ale aged in oak barrels for a year and has an addition of secret schnozberries mm. to give it color and flavor. They um, don't say what those schnozberries are, but it's f- I do like the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. The next beer is also a reference to that film with the Wilder. I assume it's named for Gene Wilder. Mm-hmm. That is a blend of three different schnozberry bases, and it is an unfruited sour beer. I don't know what an unfruited sour beer is. I, I'm not entirely sure either, but they said it. So I think it's just the... Literally the sour base. I'd, I would do that in a heartbeat, though. Without the addition. Oh, I it's see. just a blonde wheat sour ale. I'm down with you. I'm down But it's you. three different years of that. So they're. Oh. It's like it's almost like you're blending lambics at that point. Yeah. Kind of, sort of. Yeah. They also have the Bootsy, which is a strong sour black ale. The Holly King, which is a barrel aged holiday ale, uh, which is odd yet spicy. And Never had it. it's a very unique beer. I would highly recommend it. And it just got released today. Day as of this recording so maybe we'll get some for the year in review maybe maybe we won't probably they, not probably not <laughs> they also have the dweller uh imperial stout which we will be covering tonight the maceo american sour dark ale with cherries uh this is an imperial brown ale actually base that is then uh i assume aged with cherries yeah i don't know i guess <clears throat> they're just souring an imperial i really was thrown by that one when i read it that said it was an imperial brown ale base but they called it a sour dark ale so you're just souring a brown ale yeah. with cherries. That's it, I mean, it sounds interesting. Then there's the Lamas Negra, which is an imperial black ale with chocolate and peppers. Mm-hmm. And then the None More Black, which is also an imperial black ale that is aged for 12 months in whiskey barrels. Oof, an imperial strong ale. And then it's time for the Thriller. Thriller. Eh. I'm, not, bum, bum, I'm not a Michael Jackson fan. But so. uh, That is a blood orange saison. And then they have the Demon Dweller, which is an oak barrel-aged version of the Dweller, which we think might actually be a bourbon barrel-aged version. Yeah, well, I'm I'm not entirely sure. I got confused when I was writing those in. Then, finally, they have the Cellar Series, which I'm not sure how the oak barrel... Aged and details, details, that, Travis. Yeah, I know it, it was a weird breakup <laughs> on their website, and I didn't really understand it. Uh, so from the cellar, they have Green Man in the Chocolate Factory, yet another Willy Wonka reference. It is a chocolate stout, and it is a collab with French Broad Chocolate Factory. Right, and then they have the Nocturne Barrel Aged Smoked Imperial Porter Oof. that is aged for six months in second use whiskey barrels. I would really 
like to get my hands on that. I haven't seen it in a bit, but if I get one, we'll get one. Mm -hmm. And then the last beer that they feature is called the Ragupatus. Ragupatus. Ragu, ragu, ragapotamus. Ragget hip hop, hip hop, hip hop, hip hop, hip hop, hip hop, hip So that's no, a... not the rhyme nozzers <laughs> and the hip hop hippopotamus. I am the hip hop hippopotamus. My mm, lyrics are Speaking <laughs> of, well, they're they're Australian or New Zealand, right? They're, they're New Zealand. Fly yeah. the Concords. Yeah. yeah. Another great one. <laughs> uh, the ragupotamus is a Baltic porter aged in Maker's Mark whiskey barrels, which I would. Also love to get my hands on. Actually, I would like to get my hands on all three of those Cellar Series beers. Yeah, well, especially the Nocturne. Mm-hmm. Well, that about does it. My mouth is parched. So what do you say we start drinking some of these beers? Let's do it. Our first beer of the evening is the Green Man Lager. This is an American light lager coming in at 4.2% ABV, only 14 IBUs using Pilsner malt and german hops so i think i i can't remember this one or was another beer uh wow actually it's completely different beer different brewery i was reading about today that <laughs> <laughs> was doing something similar where it was a smash um for a brewery and they have a you know it's a, a pilsner czech malt with mm-hmm. purely with a german hop the hotter towel i think but i'm that's... not gonna lie that smells almost exactly like like bush light it, it smells like a cheap beer this smells like keg beer, almost like kegged. Like you go to the bar and you get a pint of like Bush Light, it's not, not even Coors Light. It's not Bush level, and it's I don't think it's Coors, but the you're right. It's sort of like Bud Lighty. I'm gonna say it's what's the word I'm looking for? It is college beer. It smells like college beer. Right. I mean, everyone knows what college beer smells like. It smells like a beer pong table. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> it smells like. That's exactly what it is. It smells like when you have the cheap beer in those plastic solo cups and you just smell it. And that—that um, that is exactly what that smell is to me. I feel bad for, for Green Man right now. <laughs> so just make fun of their beer. Well, I mean, it just smells that way. It doesn't have to necessarily taste that way. That is, hmm. Very similar. Honestly, this is a college beer to me. This is what I would drink in college. This is a lot like Coors Light or Coors, more like Coors Banquet. It's a little mm-hmm. heavier than a light beer. Um, but this is... An easy drinking, I, I think a lot like the Zambruni in a sense from Brewprint. See, I even feel but like that the, was creamier. That was more yeah, like the, a Bud Heavy. It was creamier, and I feel like it just felt like a more refined version of a college beer. Yeah. This to me, though, kind of still tastes like I'm at, if I close my eyes and drink this, I am at a party in college with a keg of whatever we could find that weekend. Well, the good news is it comes in a can, so, so we can be like fancy college kids, take it to a party. Yeah, I mean, it's a nice can. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think my beer pong level, uh, my skills are up to par anymore. It's been a few years. But the can is actually really nice and well-designed, and it says, what's your lightest beer? So that was a tag that they say about the beer that I did not write. Um, They said that they get the question, what's your lightest beer all the time when people walk into the bar? So they made this beer specifically for those people. And I think it's the fact that it's a light lager. It's not just a regular lager. It's actually classified as a light lager. Honestly, it tastes like it is. It tastes like everything you'd expect from a college-style beer. Um, But if somebody walked into your brewery by accident thinking it was or you know how we talked about like they have the bars like dirty jacks and that kind of stuff if somebody walked into that bar thinking it was just a regular dive bar and you needed a beer to serve them without losing their business you would hand them that oh 100 yeah i've been to uh, jack in the woods and i didn't know that they were I, I loosely knew they were affiliated with the green man but i was looking for green man like the name mm-hmm. but it was just jack in the woods they had a lot of green man on tap obviously but it was uh, yeah. it was interesting uh but that yeah that's definitely a i don't know anything about beer and i've been drinking budweiser all day mm-hmm. you got something like that yeah this uh, the can even mentions what i said it said what's your lightest beer craft brewers hear this a lot green man's answer is this crisp all-natural light lager we salute all the great breweries around the world that continue to perfect the classic style enjoy cold and lighten up so this is a German style beer. It's a German lager, which is exactly where all those brews I mentioned before, Miller, Coors, Budweiser, they're all German style lagers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this ales. is this is like literally would be like the first step you take on a journey to craft beer if you were going to go from craft beer to craft beer. 
this would be like sure, the sure. literal first transit. <laughs> like this is like a half step into craft beer. Oh yeah, I guess I'm I'm more of the mindset of like let's just dive right on into this thing and mm-hmm. not worry about how deep the water is. But if people want to dip their toes into it, that would be oh, a yeah, way yeah, to yeah. get it. That's because obviously, I'm going to say that like the ingredients that they use are much higher quality mm-hmm. than. A lot of the stuff that you would get in all of that crap beer, yeah. but it's just because it's that style, because it's that light lager, yeah. that's what it reminds you of. It reminds me, <clears> I, <throat> I think my take on this is a lot like the Zambruni. It's a very good version of a beer I don't really like to drink. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, purposely I, don't drink those beers. But I could <laughs> anymore. easily, oh, easily I could drink like it. a case of that yeah. in a day. And then wouldn't even fade you in, especially at 4.2%. A tailgating beer? Oh, yeah, all day. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, next up, we have the ESB, or the Extra Special Bitter, or in this case, the Extra Special Strong Bitter. ESSB. ESSB. Uh, it's 5.5% ABV, 32 IBUs. It's a malty amber ale with rich toasted caramel hops. It's got a good amber color. I'll give it that. They use authentic British malts and hops, and it's a nutty aroma, full-bodied, and a sweet finish. And the ESB is a true British style. So yes. So we've had a nice German style to start with or a continental style, and now this nice British style to go with it. Yeah, and as we talked about earlier in the show, Green Man is known and does a lot of British-style beer. Mm-hmm. And ESB, for me, is one of those that you're either going to get it right or it's wrong. Yes. Like, there is no brewery that I can think of that makes an ESB that is like, eh, it's either really good or it's a bad representation of the style. And I... And I that's sad because ESB is one of those that I always want to go back and try more and more of, but I'm constantly disappointed by the ones that I get, but I like the style. Go with Fortnite. They got a good one. Yeah. Well, Fortnite, yeah, is a great example of the style. Yeah. ESBs are just stronger versions of the bitter. Bitter, just a standard British bitter, a pint of bitter. is usually 3% alcohol. Um, that's why these are extra special. Mm-hmm. Because they're five and a half. And at 32 IBUs, that's eh, decently bitter, but yeah. not anything. Yeah. It is roasty. A little caramel. You do get the nuts. It's kind of like... Uh, I'll be honest. Uh, this is a bit meatier than I was expecting from an ESB, and that's not a complaint on my end. Yeah, it's almost like... It's not almondy, but it's almost like walnut yeah. or like a pecan mm-hmm. type of nuttiness, and it is a little roasty, which I like on the nose. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. It's nice and nutty. It's um, Like I said, this is what I was talking about. It's, it's a bit mm-hmm. heavier and a bit more robust than I was expecting. Yeah, it's just a little, even almost just a little chocolatey. Yeah, I can see Like that roastiness borders on chocolate, but the caramel is good. The nutty aroma is there and carries over a little bit into the body for me. When they say full body, that's very true for this. For for ESB, this is extremely full body. Mm -hmm. This might be one of the, apart from Fortnite, this might be one of the better ESBs that I've had in recent memory in a long time. (laughs) This was the beer I wanted to make sure we did for this tasting. I know I was pushing Green Man, and mm-hmm. I love them, and I really want to get some more of their seasonal stuff, um, but we're sort of running out of time to record it. But the ESB was one of the, the reasons why. Mm-hmm. And we probably will not talk about the can art moving forward, because <clears> pretty much all of them at this point are uh, the Green Man, yeah. his leaf. And uh, some of their special releases are just uh, variants of that yeah. figure. And it's just him with... Um, his foliage and the label that's all it is yeah they're pretty Minimalist. they don't get yeah they don't get crazy with the art on their uh yeah. bottles and cans but that was really good and i mean like as it lingers away i finished my taster so it's you do get just the littlest bit of hot bitterness but that was a really good representation of an esb yeah, i'm very happy with that that was very good all right so moving on to the third beer of the evening we have green man's ipa this is an english ipa so you can expect it to be a little maltier than hoppy maybe we'll see if they're sticking true to style Mm. 6.2 abv 63 ibu so fairly bitter it's delicately hopped with a balanced body slightly bitter and pleasant floral nose with an alluring copper color Um. that makes me think of mary berry so oh, yes. oh, it is quite appealing. It does look... <laughs> it does look lovely. And it's... Oh, and there's alcohol in this. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, if you haven't it is watched... rather attractive. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If you haven't watched Great British Baking, please do. <laughs> yeah. Mary Berry is a treasure. Absolutely. That's uh, seasons one through four on Netflix. Uh, for us Americans. For us Americans. Uh, yeah. And uh, season five on Netflix and includes old Greg. So Yeah, I... which we've already mentioned, but that uh, I still can't get over that when I realize oh, that. Oh, Greg! That, 
That guy is amazing. Okay. All right. So anyways, back to the IPA. So with my British IPAs, my English style IPAs, I'm usually looking for a more malty nose. They're not usually this floral. This is a very floral, much more like an American IPA. Mm-hmm. This almost smells like orange blossoms. Like it gets that mm-hmm. citrusy flavor, but it also has that flowery yeah. aroma to it. So it's really... It's good. It, it, it's bright. It really reminds me more like a using like a German hop, less of a... Because uh, those are very citrusy, very floral, typically. Mm-hmm. Don't we sound so cultured when we talk about German hops and... Well, I don't know that German hops are citrusy, but they're very floral and some of them are i think we talked about that in the same adams episode a little bit like they're they tend to have like those herbaceous notes the hallertals i think do Mm -hmm. but like the mandarinas are very citrusy i didn't realize mandarina was german Mm -hmm. Hmm. interesting we learned something the more you know the very first week we did this podcast we learned that (laughs) it's that's been a long time ago and i have a lot going on right now that does smell really good though like it is you can smell the malt a little bit but that's just like a really nice bright nose without being as overly citrusy as most american style ipas are it's got a little more more malt characteristic in the like up front to me than i was sort of expecting based on the mm-hmm. nose it does have a nice hop on the back end a little mm-hmm. nice hop bitterness on the back end i like that that's it's not too bitter it's not too hoppy honestly i could probably drink more of this than i could the hop job which is uh what uh, Foothills is uh, session IPA. Yeah, it's interesting because so just this week I was listening to another beer podcast. What you don't just listen to us on repeat? No, come on, we're the best. I honestly hate the sound of my own voice. So <laughs> I listen to our podcast on one and a half speed, so I don't have to listen to myself for as long. But yeah, um, how do you think I feel? I have to edit this thing. Yeah, no, you listen to it about four times. <laughs> But this, honestly, so they were talking about on this podcast how beers and wines and other things when you're doing tastings have like a front, middle, and back. Mm -hmm. Some beers and wines and other things lack a middle Mm -hmm. and just have a front and a back. This, for me, has all three. It has a front, middle, and back. It has a, there's bitter immediately up front, not overpoweringly bitter, that immediately fades into that citrus. Mm -hmm. And then it comes back to the hot bitterness at the end. So it. It just moves from bitter to citrusy and floral Mm -hmm. back to slightly bitter and lingers that bitterness kind of just like slowly fades away on your palate at the end. And I like that. That's a very good, it's complex with that kind of tasting notes. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said for this. It's, I don't think it's true to the English style of IPA. That's not nearly like the malt is almost not there for me. Yeah. It's good, though. I like it. It's a good IPA. I would say it's more in line with like a light West Coast IPA, but it doesn't mm-hmm. have the pine or the resin. It definitely has more. Honestly, it's like a German IPA, if I had to guess. It's more floral and citrusy, like we said. When I drink an English IPA, I expect it to be much maltier than that. Our next beer, is sticking with that English theme, is the English Porter. Uh, this is 6% alcohol, 40 IBUs. It has a dark, full-bodied, and rich in flavor. With a creamy, smooth mouthfeel. Say that again. Creamy, smooth mouthfeel. With chocolate notes on the finish. Goes down smooth. Goes down smooth. The nose it almost is... smells like a smoked porter. <laughs> I'm glad you smell something, because I'm, I'm very light on that nose. It's got, I mean, it definitely is roasty, but that almost, for a second, smelled like it had a bit of smoke in it. I get a touch of a touch of that on Which the I'm all about, a smoked porter. Oh, everyone loves a good smoked porter. We could smoke while we drink porter. We could. It's about the same thing. Yeah, we can't do that in the house, though. No, we'd have to go outside. Yeah. I don't think we were, can record in the woods. We can't. Yeah. We can record in the woods. Yeah, I don't see why not. It smells roasty and a little chocolate. Probably, like, very bitter chocolate. It's definitely that. Um, the flavor is more coffee, uh, bitter chocolate, that bitter, heavy porter. Um, oh, yeah. That's... That's like straight bitter chocolate. I mean, and like bitter coffee. Yeah, it's just it's just like it's like baking chocolate wrapped over coffee beans. Mm-hmm. It's got that um, green, almost that green pepper acidity. What is green pepper? Green bell peppers. Oh, green bell peppers. Sorry, yeah. I was thinking like black pepper, red pepper. No, not like pepper spices. Corn. <laughs> no, yeah, like so when you so when you say that these things are like bitter, they get to a point where they have like this acid complex. Where when it's so bitter, it's like it becomes acidic, and so it almost is like a green bell pepper, mm-hmm. like that acidity out of that bell pepper, and that's what it's like. It's riding that line, and it happens when you 
I believe I'm right in this. Don't quote me 100%. But if you over-roast coffee, uh-huh. that it becomes that bitter. It's like a chemical composition or something in the coffee bean that makes it taste like that. I wonder if there's something with that with grapes, too. Because I'm thinking back. Um, remember when we went to Blenheim Winery? Yeah. And they had Shameless that. Shameless plug for, was that Dave Matthews? Dave Matthews. I wasn't <laughs> going to talk about that. But um, remember that uh, Pinot Noir, I think it was Pinot Noir we had, that tasted like a straight green bell pepper? Yeah. I see. I don't know how you get that in wine grapes because you don't roast them, but I know that that's a thing in coffee beans. Okay. I was wondering if it had something to do with the the, the terroir, terroir. The terroir. Look, mm-hmm. I got nothing. Terroir. Terroir. You do the German. I'll do the French. How about that? Uh, grazie. <laughs> no, that's. It's Italian. Yeah, that's Italian. That's not even. <laughs> that's not even Italian. That is yeah. um, what's his face uh, in Inglorious Bastards. Oh, Brad Pitt. Yeah, yeah. Brad Pitt. Hey, buongiorno. <laughs> I speak Italian first best. <laughs> yeah. Second um, best. He doesn't speak Italian at all. Yeah, that's why he's third best. <laughs> uh, that's a fantastic movie. It really is. Uh, but that was good. I thought it was nice. It was uh, full body. It really was that. Yet again, with a lot of my English beers. I'm actually expecting them to be a bit more watery than these are. These are mm-hmm. Americanized versions of the British style, which... I'm not an, hating on that. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> as an American drink, beer drinker, I much prefer this. Yeah, because... I've had some British porters that you're like, Ugh, I am drinking black water and it's not that good. Yeah, I like... And that had a decent... While we're talking about that, that had a decent amount of carbonation on it. Mm-hmm. And it has that... Well, it has a creamy, smooth mouthfeel like they're saying, which it did. Yeah. It's thinner doesn't coat the inside of your mouth like our next one probably is yes and with that being said although i did like the porter very much comes the dweller this is an american imperial slash double stout 10 percent abv so we've entered the heavy portion of the show and not just because i'm sitting in the room 65 IBUs. yeah we normally make travis record these outside the room but you know when we bring in the heavy beers he's allowed back in yeah Robust and warming with hints of coffee and dark chocolate. Complex variety of roasted malts and moderate hopping. Temper the pleasant sweetness. I will give you right now, I love that nose. That's a good coffee nose. That is almost barrel, though. That smells like barrel. And so that's what... That's fine with me. (laughs) Well, so let me stop here for a second to say that. When I originally wrote this, Mm -hmm. when I was writing the notes and listing the beers that they had on their website, I called this a barrel-aged beer because they say that they cellar it. That is barreled. They say it sits in our cellars until it's right. But then you get the Demon Dweller, which Mm. they call the bourbon barrel-aged version of the Dweller. So there are barrels that aren't bourbon barrels you can just have it or is it double bourbon barreled i don't think it's bourbon barreled if it is it's very light it's more like a tennessee just, whiskey this isn't an oak barrel and probably is an oak barrel because most barrels are going to be made of oak but it may be it's lighter than like a heavy american charred bar- bourbon barrel oak it could be something like a whiskey barrel um, a whiskey a, vis- a whiskey yeah zwei whiskeys and that's what it reminds me of when i taste it it's got some barrel in it it's got that you're right when you say it's not an american whiskey smell it's more like an irish whiskey right so think jameson irish whiskey is sweeter Mm -hmm. than american whiskey because american whiskey uses or that's bourbon uses corn let's not get into i believe if you go to that yeah if you get into mashes and things like that because when when i went to ireland they explained it all and i had a taste testing and i still prefer american whiskey and bourbon to Irish whiskey. I like Irish whiskey over American whiskey, but I prefer mm. bourbon to Irish whiskey. Yeah, because Irish whiskey, like I said, if you've had Jameson's and you know Jameson's. Or Bushmills. Or, or Bushmills. Redbreast. Mm-hmm. Or Green Ore. Yeah, or <laughs> Yellow Dot, Green Dot, whatever. All those. Um, <laughs> it is sweeter, mm-hmm. and that is exactly what that smells like. So it has a thin head but it is tan it's like that stout head that you would expect like it went away pretty quickly in the glass but it and it's fairly boozy you can taste the booze on it which is why as soon as i taste it i was like okay this is definitely barrel aged because that's usually Mm -hmm. a a flavor you get it could i don't think it's rum it's not sweet enough for a rum barrel so that's why i'm thinking it's some sort of like irish or canadian it could be like a a canadian mist or oh god i don't 
if anybody was barrel aging their beer in Canadian Miss Whiskey, I would want. Them I meant the purple bag one. Was taken, that Royal Royal? That's Crown Royal. Whatever. Look, I don't drink Canadian whiskey. Canadian with Mist is the one where you have to bend down to the bottom of the ABC shelf to get it because it's down there with like the Kentucky gentleman. I'm sorry, sir. And Old Crow. <laughs> Speaking of old something, uh, we had an old smuggler scotch I got in oh, college. I thought you were going to say old chub. Oh, no, old chub's delicious. <laughs> we both know this. Uh, no, we got the old smuggler scotch in uh, college. It was so bad, we had to use it as cleaning alcohol. Good God. It was horrendous. <laughs> the swill. That's what they squeezed out of the staves when they broke the <laughs> barrels down. Back to the dweller, because we've gone way off topic here. Mm. It is, it's not boozy, but it is barrel yeah, like you get those wood overtones. I think it's boozy in the sense that I'm what I'm used to calling a barrel aged stout is boozy, but it, like all this is missing missing is liquor heat. Yes, is whiskey. It's, it's heat. not heat. It's not hot. I'll give it mm-hmm. that. Yeah, and that plays well with the coffee, of course. Um, it does. I don't and get hardly any of the chocolate though. I get some chocolate, but it is that it is dark chocolate. Like it's unsweetened dark chocolate, which I believe probably helps. So like the the hopping is probably helping that because if this wasn't 65 IBUs, which is insane for a stout. Actually, it's pretty standard. Well, get off me. <laughs> well, it feels high. It, it is very high, but like remember everything we talk about with, with IBUs. Mm-hmm. IBUs account for how much hops you put in. Do you know how much malt is in this stupid thing? Like, <laughs> I don't know, but my original point out, will stand. I know your original point will stand, but that it's not uncommon to see, especially double stouts or imperial stouts that are really high IBUs because they have to front load, not front load, yeah, they front load in the, in the boil. They have to load so many hops into this thing to make it not as sweet as we couldn't drink it. Yeah, and that was is my point is... Yeah. That the hopping in this, when they say it tempers the sweetness, I feel like if you didn't have the hops in here, that chocolate roasty aroma, the malts, the roasted malts making that sweetness, plus whatever barrel they're putting this in, would make this too sweet. So I feel like this is a good, they did that one just right. This is really good. I like this, and we're going to have to arm wrestle for it later, I feel. I feel you're, you're confident in your ability to, <clears throat> to beat me in a game of arm wrestling. Uh, Yeah, I, I'll... Take my chances. Well, that's fine because we're going to move on to the last part of the evening. <laughs> this is the, my goal is to get you so drunk before <clears throat> we pass that one out. Uh, this is the whiskey sour. Now, this is the only one that has a slightly different character on the can than the other beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a very fancy, gentlemanly green man. Green man. He has a top hat and a tuxedo. Uh, and a tuxedo. Yes, mm-hmm. he's got a white tie. He's ready for that white tie event. Yeah, he's on his way to some. Fancy schmancy charity event. Yes, yes, he's a gentleman. A gentleman mm. on the town. So this gentleman is, about town. Ooh, gentleman about putting town. Putting on the Ritz. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Always love a good young Frankenstein well, reference. You, you can't say no to a good Gene Wilder. Uh, or Peter Boyle. You can't say no to Peter Boyle either. Yeah, he was the monster. He was the monster. Rob Luker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lars Leachman's like the only person in that movie still alive. Besides well, Gene Wilder's still... Gene Wilder's dead. What? I'm sorry that I have to break that to you right now, but oh. Gene Wilder died like months ago. Oh, no. Well, yeah. you're going to have to handle this one. I, I'm, I'm yeah. going to be mourning for a minute. Okay. Well, while Andrew looks up exactly how he missed the fact that Gene Wilder died. Whiskey Sour. So this one was actually bought for me oh, by two my... two years ago. Two years ago. Dang. That oh, long? Oh, man. Yeah. I'm... And you are... You completely missed that one. Okay. Anyways. (laughs) Okay. uh, Do you want me to continue? I can continue. Well, I'll just give the backstory of this. This was bought for me by my father-in-law while he and my mother-in-law were in Boone uh, camping for the weekend. Hmm. So there is a small shop, a bottle shop, where you can buy kegs and craft beer and other stuff in Boone, which is the home of Appalachian State University for anybody who needs that reference point. Uh And it's a shop called Peabody's Wine and Beer. So Peabody's has been doing collabs with breweries for four years. And it's a cocktail series of beers. This year, they paired up with Green Man Brewing. So that created this 9% alcohol who knows IBUs? Uh, probably not a ton because typically sours are usually low on the IBU scale. Mm-hmm. It is an imperial kettle sour with smoked honey whiskey sour mix. Mm-hmm. So that is the uh, the mixer portion of it is the mm-hmm. whiskey sour mix. 
Um, this is aged in fresh dumped bourbon barrels and finished with charred limons. Yep. And like I said, this is a collab with Peabody's Wine and Beer, Green Man Brewing, and Bitter Milk Handcrafted Cocktail Mixers. I don't know who those people are or if they're local to Boone or Asheville. Uh, probably local to Boone or Asheville. Yeah. Or Blowing Rock or Banner Elk or something like that. So I have had this beer before. Because I've already had one of the four pack that was bought for me. Andrew, I want your thoughts on this beer because while it sounds incredible, I had mixed feelings on it. So my first thought is, what are your thoughts on lemons? Yeah. <laughs> that would be one thing. That's my very first thought. Uh, the nose is very much lemon and not like a fresh squeezed light lemon like that mandarina was we had from... Um, Highland. It's straight. I need more lemons for this water, so bring me a bowl of lemons, and I'm going to squitz them all over my nose, because that's like, really what I'm getting. It's just like straight sour lemon juice. Right. Which I think comes from that honey whiskey sour mix. Also, you do get honey on the nose. Well, it's finished with charred lemons. That would that would do it. Well, it's also it's a mix between that lemon and that sour mix, like that acidic, just smelling sour mix. Okay, my second thought is, how do you feel about lemons? <laughs> <laughs> See, this is this is what I told you. If you like lemons, you will like this beer. How do you like them lemons? They're tart. <laughs> no, so, this is a very this is this is not as tart as I was expecting from a sour ale. I'll be honest. Yeah, for it to be an imperial kettle sour, right? I expect it to be much more sour. It's a bit sweeter than I was expecting on that. It is very lemon forward, though. It is not. I'm not getting a ton of the whiskey sour mix. I guess. The See, that's sour. where we're different because I do get that whiskey sour also i don't mix. drink a lot of whiskey sours so maybe i don't know what whiskey sour mm -hmm. mix tastes like so i checked this in on untapped and my review was i'm not sure how i feel about this i think the lemons are a little past charred they taste kind of burnt and then i said kind of lose a burnt taste after the sour goes away so to me this isn't you know what this reminds me of though is if you took lemons and you toss them on like good a... god <laughs> If yeah, put, put I hadn't on had like that a, in a minute. You put it on like a skewer and you're mm -hmm. making like a shish kebab. That's what the lemons remind The lemon flavor reminds me of that. If I mm -hmm. took that and then uh, sprinkled it on something, the lemon juice. Yeah. It feels, yeah, it feels like you're eating the char off of a grilled piece of meat. Like you just got that black flake of char. Right. <laughs> and you also had a lemon in your mouth at the same time. I'm not a... And so it's, it's a really quick hit of sour. Right, because it dissipates. It doesn't linger. But it's not... For me, it's not a kettle sour. It's not a sour ale in the sense that it's sour because it's a soured beer. Right. It's sour because it tastes like... Lemons. Lemons. And if you were to just drink a bottle of whiskey sour mix by itself like if you had a bottle of whiskey sour mix what they use to pour in just straight sour mix and a lemon in your mouth that's what it is and the only thing that mellows that out for me is the honey hmm. because there is this mild sweetness that's combating that acidity yeah it's not my favorite sour it's not my favorite beer from green man i think it's a nice attempt i think it misses the mark Personally. I definitely, if you were going for a whiskey sour beer, this misses the mark. And what I was comparing it to in my head when I first tried it, and that's why I wanted you to taste it without me ever saying anything about it. You remember my bachelor party, vaguely. I was <clears> there. <throat> you were I there. informed mm -hmm. that I was there. Yeah. When we went to Westbrook. Oh, the, the next morning. The, the key lime pie goza? No, not the key lime pie goza. I don't know if you ever had it, but we had a whiskey sour Berliner Weiss. It was in the bottles with the... I did not. Um, Margarita Goza. There was they were in bombers, so I don't remember who bought those bombers for me as a gift. LV prom? No, I think it. Was, I think it was. I think it was one of the less drunk people. I think it was Eric. Yeah, because he. <clears throat> it might have been Eric, or it was either Eric or Adam. Kept buying me T-shirts at every brewery it, we went to. I know because state, he was hammered. I was gonna say I know the <clears throat> state Adam was in, and it, yeah. I, uh, I'm pretty sure that was Eric. That sounds like an Eric. Yeah. That, that's definitely an Eric. So he bought me two bombers. There, one was a Margarita Goza, which was delicious, tasted mm -hmm. just like Margarita. The other was a whiskey sour Berliner Weiss, and I think that one was so good. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that is because. The whiskey sour portion is sour enough by itself right? that it doesn't need to be added to a sour beer. I think the lemons overpower everything in this beer. It, mm -hmm. it is straight lemons. If you do not like lemons, you're not going to like it. Good news is for you, I like lemons. I got you. 
Yeah, that's why you get an extra can of this. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> I'm so happy. So now I have one left in my fridge. Okay. All right, Travis. So final thoughts on Green Man? Green Man is one of those breweries. So we've been, I've been to the Green Mansion before, mm-hmm. like we talked about. The British style beers are not my favorite, but they do a very good Americanized, slightly Americanized version of those British beers. They're very sustainably sourced. I mm-hmm. thought the history was interesting i didn't realize they were as old as they were that they were right there behind highlands mm-hmm. i think they've gone in a good direction and the new owner has them becoming more like a recognized brand than just like a, a place local. for locals to yeah. hang out but i mean i like their beer i wish we got more of their specials where we live because like for some reason those special releases seem to elude us yeah i'll see what i can do we're going to Asheville, i think for new year's and i'll see if i can grab some more but um, yeah. I agree with that. Everything you said, I agree with that. Because I, I like Green Man. I was one that pushed for this brewery for us to do it. I was hoping to get a bit more variety in our, our Christmas. Well. Well, our later year. Honestly, uh, if we can get hold of a Holly King later. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're definitely going to do a Holly King if we can hold get hold of it. But I like Green Man. I really enjoy. I did not know they were an uh, English style brewery before. You know, we we did the research. Um, the so, ESB didn't give it away. A lot of people make an ESB. Natty Greens used to make an ESB. Well, uh, we'll Boylan, get into that at the next, <clears throat> at the beginning of next year. Boylan Bridge Pub used to make an ESB. Who? Yeah, Boylan Bridge Pub was out of Raleigh. They may have closed by the time you. <laughs> no, no, they were they were there. They were there. Uh, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, we'll talk about off mic. <laughs> I really like them and. Honestly, I enjoyed the beers we had tonight. The whiskey sour, not my favorite. Yeah, and I, I know you were kind of excited about it. I was. I love sour beers. And I beers. just couldn't wait you, to see the disappointment to cross your myself. face. <laughs> Unfortunately, you informed me that Gene Wilder was dead. That actually crushed you crushed first. Me it was like I brought you down, and then when you were down, I just started kicking you as hard as I could. Yeah. Um, okay, so in keeping on with our trend of the last episode, beer of the night, the Dweller, the Dweller. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. have to say the Dweller. Although, actually, the ESB was up there for me. It was such a good ESB. I just, personally, like, the Dweller, I think part of it is, I can get the ESB Mm year-round. The Dweller is seasonal, so um, maybe that's part of it, like the rarity situation. The ESB, though, that is a good everyday beer. Yeah, and honestly, all of those beers were beers that I would drink it, minus the whiskey sour. I wouldn't buy that. Thankfully, it was a gift, and I didn't buy it but and i know my father-in-law was like so excited to give it to me and i wish it was a better beer but i thank him for buying that for me because oh, yeah. he's looking out for me i mean everything was good the lager was probably right behind the whiskey sour but that's just because i don't care for that but yeah. again if i was to drink that all day i would everything else was really solid but yeah that dweller dweller was good. plus the weather's turned cold so now we're yeah. ready for those dark <laughs> beers yeah we, we don't have to drink stouts <clears> in the <throat> middle of a 90 degree day anymore yeah uh but yeah no the dweller i think was was my favorite esb was definitely right in there ipa porter pick an order and then honestly I'm i like this. how you rhymed that I got this. IPA porter pick an order. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as you drink the lager and the sour last, you're in fun. <laughs> Actually, I'd start with the lager. <laughs> I wouldn't start with the dweller and then move to a light lager. Uh, I, yeah. I would, though. I know you would. Yeah, you know. Because I like to drink the good thing first. The thing I like the most first, even if it's going to wreck my palate. And the lager was so light. Whatever you think, conventional wisdom would tell you just Andrew does the opposite. And I'm still here. For now. Oh. Well, that's all I got about Green Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's about all I've got. Let's go ahead and wrap it up. All right, well, we encourage you guys to get out there and try some breweries. And if you have Green Man in your area, give them a try. They're a really good brewery. If you're ever in Asheville and find yourself, go visit the Green Mansion or one of their dive bars. They're all pretty cool spots. Mm-hmm. And then once you're there, you got... 50 other breweries to choose from. You can throw a rock and hit 20. I will say, if you're in Green Man, if you're at the Green Mansion, you are a block from Bramari, a block from Highland, two, no, Highland, um, High Wire, two blocks from uh, the Wicked Weed. Uh, a block from Burial. Yeah, a block from Burial, two two blocks from Twin, Twin Leaf, Leaf. Uh, two blocks from the Wicked Weed Barrel Room. Lab. S- sour. Uh, no, you're a pretty good walk from Lab. Quarter mile. You have to go past... The Funkatorium and all that. No, the Funkatorium, you're, that's across the street from Twin Leaf. So you're ah. two blocks from the Funkatorium. Yes, there's plenty, there's, there's plenty of breweries in Asheville. Yeah. But definitely give Green Man a try. Yeah. We appreciate you guys for listening. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.
And we are going to take a hiatus next week for Thanksgiving. Uh, it's going to be a nice little break for us. But then we have a December chock full of stuff for you guys. We are going to be doing our winter beer special as well as our year in reviews where we spend an afternoon getting wasted. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Three shows of nothing but pure tasting. Yeah. Make it easy. Make it simple for you guys. I hope you guys enjoy and have a great Thanksgiving. Thank you for listening to this week's Brew News. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to subscribe and give us a rating in whichever app you found us on. We value your feedback, and it also helps the show reach more viewers. If you have any thoughts or suggestions for future breweries, or are with a brewery and would like to join us, feel free to tweet at or follow us on Twitter, at brew underscore news. On Untapped, Travis is Mather Nuts, and Andrew is Tuba Steve. We're on Instagram, at brewnewspod, and you can visit our website, brewnewspod.com, where we will post our tasting and episode notes. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Anchor, Spotify, or whichever podcast platform you use. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week to look at another exciting brewery. Cheers! Have you ever wondered how you could join the Brew News crew? We'll swing over to patreon.com slash brewnewspod and you can join us. We have three different tiers for all of our patrons. At the logger level, you earn early access to all of our podcast episodes. At the IPA level, you get early access to our podcast episodes, but you get special weekly beer tastings that are done by various members of the crew. And you get special video presentations, including our Beer Miss Special. At the stout level, you get everything you get at the IPA level, but you also get to appear on one episode of the Brew News Pod, and when we have some swag, we'll send some your way. So feel free to swing over to patreon.com slash brewnewspod. That again is patreon.com slash brewnewspod and join the crew.